Hail and well-met travelers. On this week's episode of the Lore Seekers podcast, we cover some topics that may resonate with some people out there. Some folks who may be going through a rough time. At the Lore Seekers podcast, we want you to know that there are resources out there that can help you. If you find yourself in an emotional crisis and you feel that you need help, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is a national network of local crisis centers that provides free and confidential emotional support to people in suicidal crisis or emotional distress 24 hours a day and 7 days a week. They can be reached at area code 1-800-273-8255. Don't hesitate to reach out. We need you. Somebody needs you. And we care about what you're going through. Thank you. Hail, traveler. Be wary in these lands, for the skies overhead darken with the shadows of dragons' wings. The undercrofts overflow with the rise of the dead. There is danger afoot across the whole of elsewhere. Do you venture to brave these wilds? Then come inside, rest your well-traveled feet, and order up around. Share your tales with two of Tamriel's finest storytellers. Here they are now, the Law Seekers, Jibs and Cash. Ooh, goodness. Long week, have man. Oh, Have a seat. We have a guest. We do have a guest. We do have a guest. Hyper Pixie! Hi! Oh my gosh! <laughs> You're so here. excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, you want to hang, on. Oh, hang on, hang on. We got to get a drink. We got a drink. Barbe! Barbe! What can I get you, boys? Oh, yeah, she'll respond to that. Yeah, with a <laughs> fine slap in the face. Um, Cash, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? I'm I actually, at this particular tavern, the Black Briar Reserve is outstanding. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, well, okay. Uh, one of those. Uh, Pixie, what are you ordering? What's your... I'm going to do the Velvet La Chance this time. Oh. All right, I'll take the Argonian Ale. Uh, without the Merkmire water, please. That would be fan-freaking-tastic. part of Coming right up. The poop water is the, the, part of it. The poop water? <laughs> yep. Oh, so... We have a guest tonight, huh? Huh? Yes, we do. Yeah. We're very excited to have her aboard. Yeah, we are. Pixie, how are I'm you? Super, very excited to be here. I'm very happy to be here. You that, guys are awesome. That's Well, thank you very much. You're awesome. You. So before I get to Knucklehead, how was your week, Pixie? What'd you do in game? I actually ran with you guys was the last thing that I did. And before yeah. that, I ran Scalecaller again. So um, Scalecaller on Vet is something else. And I oh learned a gosh. lot from the dungeon. Yeah. And we attempted hard mode. We made a good effort. <laughs> We I did. think we got her down to 73%. We gave it the old college try. That's what that was. We gave it the college try. And I think, uh, I think the breaking point of the night was when um, I cracked a joke. It might have been inappropriate or not. But um, uh, Bubbles here <laughs> laughed her ass off for a good five minutes straight before we could give it another shot. Oh, man. That was yeah. so funny. That was such that a was hard dungeon. Answer. Yeah, it was. It was brutal. And that's only the second vet DLC dungeon that I ever attempted. Really? So 
yeah so that could have been partially my fault just for the inexperience uh, there but no. i was i'm pretty sure it was my fault i just made that tune that day respective and everything so you could totally literally, put that on me literally he did so it was a lot of fun and failing that much it really gives you perspective on the hard content of the game so oh my gosh, it makes yeah. it even more fun to me oh yeah so. for sure cash what'd you do this week uh i have had one hell lish week <laughs> please do i tell. had my week off yeah. i had my week off of work and it turned into a lot of work to huh. be honest with you i got a lot of eso time in mm -hmm. but um yeah so without going into too many details i got uh subpoenaed to court um no not for child support issues for uh <laughs> in case i'm working at work and uh i sold my real life mount yay congratulations I Thank you, thank you. I'm working on buying another real life mount. Yeah. And um, yeah, just took care of the house, and now I'm taking care of my girls who are sick from coming home from their trip. Oh, uh, they did so. they get the canny hatton flu? Yeah, they got the hatton flu, and it is what it is. So I keep telling them that whiskey will knock all that crap out, but they're not buying it. <laughs> so <sighs> yeah, and it was inventory management week when I was in ESO this week, and it turns out it's really really hard. To get rid of a, lot of a lot of the stuff that you have because i'm a freaking hoarder mm. so yeah yeah see my week has been kind of similar uh you know we did the scale collar and um that was fun i <laughs> don't think i've ever said the f word so many times on a single stream <laughs> ever and we yeah, were I we mean, had to our credit though we we had been drinking a little bit we crushed it though we, yeah, we, we beat did. it. Crushed we it. Beat it. Oh, we beat it. I tell you what, you know, when we when when we finished that, like just this feeling of like pride just hits you and you're just like, Oh man. God, I love this yeah. game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think I've said it way way more than one time. I fall in love with this game every single day, especially when it challenges me. And if you want to see the challenges that we face that evening. I believe both Hyper Pixie and we have it up on um, our YouTube channels and stuff for you guys to see. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we do. Yep. All right. Well, uh, shoot. I guess we gotta. We probably should jump in the show, huh? Whew. All right. Well, folks, this is the last episode before Elsewhere, and uh, you know this is Volume Four, Episode Four of Lore Seekers Podcast. A very special episode. This is Listener Week. Here on the show, something brand spanking new that we're doing. We grab one of our listeners and we bring them on the show. And the show is all about them and ESO. And so tonight, before I introduce Cash, he's here. Yeah. Uh, we got a very special guest, streamer on Twitch, Lore Seeker community member, Hyper Pixie. Hello. Glad to be here again. So happy to have you. Cash, how you doing? Oh, sorry. I was taking a swig of my whiskey. Hmm. Um, I'm amazing. Yeah, good, good, and pretty fantastic. Yeah. We well, good. Uh, we got a good lore lesson. Oh yeah, right? yeah. We got a lot going on tonight. It's gonna be good. I did it for you. Did you? I did this lore lesson for you. I made this for you. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. All right. Well, everybody, if uh, you listened last week, we uh, or maybe you missed last week, uh, we did uh, developer deep dive on Necromancers Alfred Molina on Abnertharn, elsewhere in Germany, Dungeon Lore returned, and a lore lesson on the chron chronology 
of ESO. In other words, what order to do the questing in. That's something you're looking to get involved with. But this week on the show, we're talking... We've got a lot. We've got a whole lot. In fact, I forgot to even add some. We're Dungeon Lore's back. We're doing Spindle Clutch, baby. Dungeon Lore's back. That's we right. got a... Uh, really challenging one. Yeah, we're going to be talking Elsewhere, Sunspire Trial, more details on dragons and Elsewhere, and a lore lesson on... That's your cue. That's where you come in. Oh, you cut out, so I was like, what? You were doing a lore lesson on the path to Lichdom. It was like suspense, you know, where you kind of just let them take over. That's how it always is when I talk about lore. <laughs> I wish. My delusions of grandeur. <laughs> delusions of grandeur. Oh, what a world. Well, everybody, uh, if we do sound a little bit different tonight, that's because we're taking this episode straight from the live show over at twitch.tv slash Podcast. So that would be the reason. But anyway, it's the last week before Elsewhere. And uh, we got a lot of news. Cash, you ready for news? Always ready for more news. Fantastic. Let me grab my stuff. All right. Well, we got a quick note. A uh, quick edit from last week's episode. So, last week in the Armory, we listed Spawn of monster set as having the same abilities, same stats as the Dread King Slayer set. Y'all picked up on that real quick and let us know that, hey, you're wrong. They were like, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, that's not the case. And if you want to actually see everything with the Spawn of over at loreseekerspodcast.com, which is brand spanking new, baby. That's yes, what I was doing. And looks amazing. Thank you very much. I, all the credit goes to Jibs. I'm telling you right now, people, he absolutely kicked tail on that. And all right, why? Khajiit wants to step on my mixer. <laughs> <laughs> not happening, Khajiit. Yeah. No, this thanks. one does not have wares. Stay off of my mixer. I'm glad it's over. We're done. We got a new home. A brand new site. All the content is over there. It's available to you, loresecretspodcast.com. We really wanted a way where we can, where we could. We didn't realize how much content we had <laughs> until we put it all together again and yeah. in different areas. We wanted to get our content as in front of you as much as possible in different ways. And uh, holy crap, man. There's a lot of stuff. So if you're into ESO one ones, lore yeah. lessons, now dungeon lore, that's that's got its own bit there. Everything's there. Go check it out, loresecretspodcast.com. So, all right, let's get on with the nitty gritty. So for the very first, I don't know what we call this article for the night. This is a uh, another one of those info articles. This is kind of like the final countdown before elsewhere. And this first one coming to us: uh, face false gods and sunspire. Elsewhere's new trial is coming to us from ESO official. They say, quote, claiming to be the avatar of Akatosh himself, the golden dragon Naventos and his followers have occupied the Temple of the First Cat. Learn about Sunspire, a new 12-player trial coming with the Elder Scrolls Online elsewhere. All right. So this, this is kind of broken up into three different parts, and this is going to be a lot of reading. We're just going to go through this. You're going to learn a lot of new things from the devs themselves. It's one of those info articles. It's kind of meaty on the verbiage. So hang in there with me. We'll make it through. So for the lore part, it says, the article says, The Temple of the First Cat, located high above and to the southwest of Maryvale Farms and elsewhere, is a sanctuary dedicated to the dragon god of time. Some say that, Ak that Alkosh, I said Akatosh, famously, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, 
famously <laughs> shouted and defeated Pelinol Whitestrake here. And for centuries, the monks who resided in the temple peacefully kept vigil in the mountains. However, when the dragons were unleashed upon elsewhere, everything changed. Cash, you want to take this quote? Of course, Mike Finnegan, ESO's Dungeon Lead, says, When the halls of Colossus were opened up, a golden dragon by the name of Novintas came to the temple and proclaimed he was Alkosh himself. The dutiful monks willingly accepted his rule, and so Novintas called in two other dragons to lord over all of the monks in Sunspire. That's right. While many in the temple eagerly accepted Novintas's claim, some saw through his lies and were enslaved for speaking out. You and your team must help Maja and his fellow captives confront the dragons and their followers to free Sunspire from their influence. As you explore the ancient temple and talk to its inhabitants, you'll uncover the site's proud history and learn of its slow deterioration. You will see the site's overgrown and dilapidated ruins for yourself as you climb its summit and battle its defenders. And while the Temple of the First Cat's greatest days have long since passed, visually, it is still one of ESO's most stunning trial locations. Finnegan continued... I can't wait to run that. Oh, right? <sighs> like, yeah. Pixie, are you into architecture of ESO at all? Yes. Yeah. I love taking in every little detail of this game, especially uh, the Kajidi architecture I find really interesting. So the Kajidi <laughs> architecture and the Altmer architecture just fascinate me. So yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. Then... I love that they take influences from other parts of the world. Oh, absolutely. I think we yeah. talked about that a couple episodes ago. Aren't they bringing we in did. like uh, Indian or Hindu? And, or I forget exactly what we spoke about, but... All these real-life things are bringing and pulling into this game. And one thing I love the most about this whole architecture in in this chapter is where they... they and I, I do think we talked about it um, in the same episode regarding like where, what culture they, cultures they pulled in. But when they built elsewhere, when they built these areas, you can see where the line is, where the old stuff was originally, and then they built the new architecture on top right and, and i love that like i don't remember that ever really seeing that in an mmo before and so it, it's the attention to detail that um the developers put into elder scrolls online and the other thing the other profound thing that i really like is that it shows some of the cultural respect of the khajiit and how they don't forget their history mm-hmm you know, in those subtle little ways where if they're building on top of something that's old and ancient just to, you know, to procure that stuff to protect that history, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, they totally could have just totally destroyed it, but they totally made the decision to build on top of it. Pixie, what do you think? I love how they say in this article that some of the, they just couldn't keep up with all the repairs in this mm -hmm. tr uh, trial area. So right. some of it's fallen into disrepair, but the more occupied areas are more pristine. So I'm really excited to see the juxtaposition of the two areas and the broken areas versus the areas that were well taken care of and well maintained that maybe visitors may see. And I'm really interested in how they handled that. And it, I think, speaks to the lore in makes me wonder if maybe worship of Alkosh has kind of faltered a bit because there's not enough and not as many monks there to kind of keep up with it and it kind of leads the player to wonder those things in my opinion I Agreed. really like that yeah I damn 
Check out the lore mind on Pixies. <laughs> I love it. Lore times a hundred. Good gracious. Yes, listen yes. to the lore seekers for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you did good. You did real good. Finnegan uh, <laughs> continued quote was Sunspire. We wanted to show off the Kajidi architecture, but also convey that this is a place of worship and decline. The monks have been tending to this place for centuries, but gradually over the years, some parts have fallen into disrepair. I love yep, that. It's definitely not Somerset. No, it's not. Man, this is like, man, I just now thought of that. The You know, Somerset was pristine. Everything right. flawless, you know, because that's how they are. And then we're going here where it's like a polar opposite. You know, it's their stuff's just falling apart. Um, they really embrace the ancient architecture. And so, oh, good call, man. Uh, it's for dragons. Before you face Naventas, you must first contend with both his fellow dragons, Yolnacrin, or as they're calling Yolo, and Locestis, as they're calling Which Loki. Which they're calling Loki. Yeah. And their most devoted followers. This includes four different types of dis- disciples, I'm sorry, each dedicated to a particular dragon. These folks wield unique abilities granted to them by their masters. That's pretty cool. In addition to them, you'll also encounter vicious, cinch, rot, and fuse with magical power, ready to pounce and knock you off your feet. Cash, you want to read this one? Oh my god, I want to go do this right now. (laughs) So Finnegan (laughs) continues, In Sunspire, we really wanted to highlight what dragons could do in each individual fight. So we focused on different aspects of dragon combat for each encounter. Yolnikrin will stay grounded most of the time, not deeming you worthy of using his wings. Locustes, or Loki is more live and will often take you to the air, while Naventas will use different combinations of perching, flying, and other magic to hinder you. For this trial, we are trying something new in that all three bosses have their own hard mode. Yes, you heard that correctly. Players have long requested this feature, and we are excited to roll it out. Also, to do the hard mode for the final boss, you must complete the hard mode for the first two dragons, so there is an extra layer of difficulty. This is hearkening back to the old school type of dungeons where yes. you get only like a certain distance before you got to call it a night. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what makes this so awesome. Yeah. I don't think I'd have it any other way. Um, I like the fact that there's things in this game that I may never achieve because it's a difficulty. I don't, like, if I was playing an MMO and everything was just handed to me, I mean, I, 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 like, where's the achievement? You know, like, Pixie, we were running that scale call the other night, and how many times, we wiped quite a few times, I mean. I need to go back and count. <laughs> we need a wipe counter. Oh, when it's... you were like, we need to have a serious talk, guys, I was like, no. It still hasn't it. topped, it still has not topped the amount of times that I've died in Vet Maelstrom. Really? I don't think anything, any, I don't think any content in this game will ever top that, except for the next time I go into Vet Maelstrom. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I, I just, uh, you know, I love the fact that there's things that are difficult, that aren't easy. That's the way it should be. And, um, you know, really what you're going to get out of the game in the long run is longevity. You're going to get longevity out of a chapter when things are more difficult, you know, because it's taking longer for your players right. to get through it. So, Agreed. Uh, for the loot, this is the last part of this uh, this article here. The new set. So we kind of talked about this um, 
it was the other, what was it? Probably two, three episodes ago. And they kind of go into listing one of the sets here. And we're looking at the False Gods Devotion set. Now, this is the light set. And there's quite a few people, particularly around YouTube, that are calling this the new meta for the light set. Pixie, you want to take this? You want to read this one? Sure. Let me find it here because I'm just seeing the title. <laughs> oh, there's a link. There you there go. We go. You got so, it. For the two pieces, it adds 833 spell crit. For three pieces, you gain Minor Slayer at all times, increasing your damage done in Dungeon, Trial, and Arena Monsters by five. Four pieces adds 833 spell crit. Five pieces adds 129 spell damage and also reduces the cost of your magic abilities by 8%. When you kill an enemy, you restore 2150 magicka and gain Minor Expedition for eight seconds, increasing your movement speed by 30%, which sounds amazing for oh a magicka DPS. My God. <laughs> for a Khajiit magicka DPS, that sounds amazing. Oh, man. This is... Do you guys think this is new meta? I oh, it's definitely going to be new meta. Yep. There are several sets that are going to be new meta, for sure. That's what happened with Summer Sets. what happened with pretty much all the expansions and extra chapters that have come out. So that's my thought. I cannot stop staring at that dagger. The dagger? Oh, yeah, with the... What's that? What, what kind of blade would you it, even call that? That, well, it's it looks... machete-like. Yeah, it looks a little machete-like, but it actually has... Uh, Master and Secunda embedded into the top of the blade. It does? Yeah, those are the two moons right there. No crap, yeah, it Super does. Khajiit set. Pixie, what do you think? New meta? Yes, and yeah. also the staff with the dangly moons makes me really happy, and I hope this is a new motif. Yeah, <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's there. Wow, <laughs> nice pull. Yeah, it's pretty. This is pretty awesome, and I would imagine this would die very well. Oh, yes. this looks gorgeous. Okay. Even as is, it matches the healer motif that I have going on with my with my Templar. So oh, yeah. I, I need that staff, wow. at least the look of it. But I, this set alone makes me really want to roll a Magicka DPS. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking either uh, Magnecro DPS Ooh, or yeah. Sork dirty DPS. Dirty right there, yeah. Yes! That's good Magnecro, stuff. Magnecro, for sure. Oh my gosh. Okay, all right. So Trial Achievements. Any trial or any great thing, like when we did Skill Caller, we all got a title. That was awesome. Uh, for achievements, God Slayer of Sunspire. This is earned by defeating all three dragons on hard mode without a single death and inside 30 minutes. Holy crap. This awards Remember you... You're talking about the uh, thing that you probably never get to in the <laughs> <laughs> That might be it. Yeah. Complete this, you get the title God Slayer. That's just... I don't... You know what? I don't think I had that kind of time. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, that's that's going to take a lot of practice. Yeah, that's uh Pixie, are you a hardcore raider? I, I didn't even ask you. Are you right uh, I've done like rating? two trials. Yeah? <laughs> I want to do more. That's on my to-do list. It's just that's not something I can queue for, so unless I can get like a whole group of lore seekers together and like ready to go on our trial nights, mm -hmm. it's really hard for me to just jump into and I'm also super impatient, so it's hard for me to like <laughs> wait and zone chat. <laughs> um, oh, that's funny. But God Slayer is just such a freaking awesome title that I'm going to have to learn some patience yeah. and I need it. And then not to jump ahead too much, but I need the mount from this so mm. bad, and I want to run it on each of my tunes, so I have to do this. I don't care how long it takes. I have to have it. 
Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. That, mount is pretty sick. that mount is ridiculous. You can get that mount by completing the Sunspire Conqueror achievement. So complete the trial on vet difficulty, and you're going to get the skin, the Sunspire Ice Fire skin, which, you know, I when I first started this game, I didn't really, I was still learning things. Actually, you know what? Two weeks before we started Lord Seekers, really, when I came back. And I'm like, oh, we have skins. Okay, cool. Um, and now, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'm all about skin collecting. I think that's my thing, my jam. He's building a skin suit, for sure. And I'm building a skin suit. What a weirdo. Yep, building a, building a Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. Yep. Uh, I have a confession. Yeah? I don't have a single skin yet. <gasps> that's why I want to do the Vet Dungeons. I need help. Oh, we gotta to hook you up. Skins. We're volunteering right now to help yes, you get skins. We will hook yes. you up. Holy moly. Oh my gosh. None at all? None. Oh. I need some. No, granted, I just transferred to PC and I'm like, because I chronically jump platforms. But now that I'm home on PC forever and ever, right. I need some skins. Bad. What PC? What, uh, you were on. Was that, was that your effect on your new board? What? <laughs> it was effect on your new board. Did you uh snuck that in? <laughs> did you what what did you used to play on? What platform? Uh so I started on Xbox, then like a year and a half in I to PS4 for a year, and then I switched to PC in December. Oh, okay. Cool. Well so all the platforms. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah, you really went welcome around home. the went around the world, yeah. No kidding. So anyway, uh, complete all the other achievements and earn the Sunspire Champion Cinch Mount. Are you? Do you have? Are you a mount collector, Pixie? Are you into mounts at all? Yes, they're like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I'm gonna get all the Endrix. All Even though the... I have a little bit of event burnout, I'm going to get them. Oh my Ooh, gosh, a lot of work. That is a lot of work. Props to you. <laughs> I don't I have, have two so far. <laughs> do you really? Wow, I feel behind the times. Cash, how many do you have? Just the one. I'm ready to get the other one, but I actually ended up spending my uh, feather slash ticket things, huh. my tickets, mm-hmm. on um, on um, motif pages. Motifs, yep. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. All okay. right. So there's that. If you want to check that out, uh, all this will be linked over to our uh, episode page at loreseekerspodcast.com. So next on the docket, we got Elsewhere Burns. Dragons in Elder Scrolls Online. This was a really, really cool article. Uh, this coming to us again from ESO Official. Uh, while you may have experienced dragons... I love how they reference this right off the bat. While you may have been able to... In, blah, 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 experience dragons <laughs> in Skyrim. For most people of Tamriel's second era, the existence of dragons remains firmly within the realms of myth and legends in the Elder Scrolls Online. Lemon Tuttle. I say lemon. I meant layman. <laughs> Great. <laughs> layman. Solid work. So many lemon turtle memes I've oh. seen. <laughs> yeah, turtle power. I've seen a lot lemon. of that. I think it's layman. Layman tuttle. I'm sorry, <laughs> layman. Uh, yes, so as Lord Master said, quote, dragons are incredibly rare in the second era. While evidence of their reign remains particularly in Skyrim most believe they are extinct and the threat they pose to Tamriel has largely faded from memory people still spin yarns about the dragons but they're mostly just tall tales and legends dragons in the Elder Scrolls aren't just winged lizards they're highly intelligent creatures with a language and a culture that many believe stretches back to the dawn of time 
Their unique feature is probably their association with words and time. I love this part right here. For dragons, language and power are intimately linked. They don't just breathe fire. They speak fire, willing it into existence. That kind of magical agency is really, really cool. End quote. Whew. Yeah. So I want to travel to strange and distant lands and experience highly intelligent creatures with language and culture that many people believe stretches back to the dawn of time, and I want to kill them. <laughs> just saying. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I can't wait. Like, I, I just... Ugh. It's going to be so good. Okay. Uh, building dragons. So this is where they kind of get into the nitty-gritty about uh, making dragons in the So for the team charged with building these giant new monsters... Dragons represented an unusual challenge, not least because they already played such a massive part in the Elder Scrolls series. Sean Wicks, the design lead in charge of the game's monsters, said, quote, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim set a really high bar when it came to dragons. You know what, uh, Cash? Uh, Rich kind of talked about this a little bit, too. So they reached out to Bethesda Game Studios and received some great insight into the tech behind dragons in Skyrim and what kinds of animations they needed to make them work. Dragons need to look intelligent and exude power in everything they do and say. We've crafted more custom stuff for them than any creature we've made before. Building the models out of parts so we can mix and match different wings, horns, heads, and colors. Pixie, what do you think of this? So my day job is a software developer, so I really feel for the devs who had to work on this because it sounds like kind of a nightmare, but <laughs> I'm so glad they took the time to actually get this to work because that means we're going to have a completely unique experience with each dragon we come into, whereas in Skyrim, you face like the same dragon 30 times. Mm -hmm. and But in this game, it sounds like they're each going to be tailor-made. They're going to look a little bit different. It's going to add that depth and make you feel like you're really in this living world yeah. and that immersion is really the key to ESO for me. So I'm super pumped to see this wow. it, yeah. on live. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm glad they took the time to do it the way they did. I think the other thing too that we're not um we haven't really seen yet because I don't know that any of us have really played on PTS. I certainly haven't. But the fact that oh you snow. Oh she did <laughs> Just for a little bit. I gave myself like two days on PTS because I just couldn't, I didn't do any quests because I wanted that to be a complete surprise. Right. But I needed to figure out how to play a Necro and if that was something I was even going to be interested in mm -hmm. because I didn't know how it was going to play. Right. And so I took it up against a dragon just to see what that was going to be like. And that was kind of Did you really love fun. I loved it so much. And you oh, guys are going to freak oh, my heart. out. Thank God. <laughs> so so my original point is that is that the the dragons from what we're hearing don't go down like normal world bosses do no they're much more difficult and they require many more players than say soloing a world boss. Uh, so in somerset i could go up against queen of the reef with two people and be fine it would take a while but it'd be fine I tried with four people against a dragon, and it really ended badly. So that's four. Whoa. So, like, four on any world boss would be just perfectly peachy and no issue. Four against a dragon was a bloodbath, and I had to leave. Wow. I couldn't wait. 
it was it was intense i don't know i maybe a top tier player could solo these things but it was a whole new type of challenge with all these new mechanics that i just was not seeing it was gosh and they say they attack with everything and they mean it and it was amazing and i'm so excited to see it in live that i might start hyperventilating in a minute <laughs> take it easy bubbles oh. <laughs> wow man cash that all sounds really good oh my god i i had to like pry myself away from the pts because like none of this is going to count towards live i'm i i can't do this to myself anymore i'm just teasing myself and i had to bring myself out of it so i only played on pts for like two days and then i was like okay i everything else needs to be a surprise but i had to see the layout of the zone and see how it compared to somerset because somerset was my previous favorite zone right and then i needed to see a dragon because dragons are like my favorite thing ever. Dragons and werewolves are my thing. So. <laughs> I freaking love werewolves. Oh, well, I love wolves, but that's awesome. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Oh crap. By the way, we're uh, as of this recording, we're five days out. I don't know if you'll realize that or not. Five days. <gasps> Counting Almost the days. There. Counting so the close. days to the to the long login screens. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be worth it. All right. So anyway, um, talking about this content, I love the fact that they can basically make puzzle pieces out of these dragons and make them look different. There's a whole lot of things that they can do going forward, especially this being the season of the dragon. So I guarantee you we'll probably see more dragons, brand new dragons throughout the year um, through the rest of 2019. And then they even talk about this here. There's a quick note. When you encounter a dragon during your adventures, you will face a beast that is tailor-made for that type of engagement. So depending on the content you're doing, you're going to be facing a different kind of dragon. And that could be the abilities, could be the way they looked. It's going to be good. I can't wait. So the article goes on to say, Like the griffins of ESO Somerset, dragons needed to fly and fight from both the land and the air. But unlike the monsters uh, found in some of the high elves... The team wanted to do more for the legendary scaled beasts. To make them truly masters of the sky, the team gave them individual pathing options when flying. And by the way, this is not shared with any other flying creatures in the game. So it's completely unique. In addition to a large amount of custom animations. Cash? Sean Wicks continues, uh, Dragons move fast, but they're also huge, so it needs to look like it takes effort on their part. They need to speed up before they get going and slow down before they stop. And when they change direction, it has to feel like all that momentum went somewhere as they can't turn on a dime like smaller creatures. Finally, when they land, they have to knock you off your feet. And when they take off, they have to send you flying. Oh, gosh. This is awesome. Oh. Yep. Oh. It makes sense. Yeah. They're big giant heavy beasts and the amount of power that they generate either coming in for a landing or taking off is probably a lot like a modern day airplane so if you're standing behind a jet engine you're going to get knocked on your keister man this is we're almost done waiting oh no this episode no. i feel like it's going to be a whole lot of oh, we're almost there <laughs> <laughs> so close yep. oh my gosh all right so and elsewhere, dragons can assault you with their claws, teeth, wings, tail, and of course their breath attacks. The team made Ugh. sure every right. It's bad breath. The team made sure exactly <laughs> everything the monster can do <laughs> looks and feels amazing 
while also being a ton of fun to fight, whether they be in the air or in the ground. Sean Wicks continued, quote, We built attacks that hit broad swaths of the play space that the dragon could use without turning, and we designed its attacks to both anticipate the things you're trying to do and punish you for it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dragons are deadly on the ground, sure, but they're designed for flight. There's nothing quite as majestic as a god beast dropping out of the sky to scorch the land. So we tried to keep them airborne as much as we can. End quote, and that's the end of that article. Whoa, man. Yeah, that pretty much means that these things are very difficult to fight, and they've upped the scale of the combat in this game once again. And I guarantee you that Finn had something to do with it. You Hashtag F.U. Finn. You know, when we ran Scale Caller the other night... I never really got, I mean, I never really felt why people, you know, F you Finn. Yes, there's hard dungeons, but until you experience Vet Scale Caller, yeah. I've never yeah. shouted F you Finn so many times in my life by the end yeah. of that. I mean, the hard mode. Oh. The hard mode's insane. And I guarantee you that the, the, the content that we get with elsewhere is going to be very similar to where if you choose hard mode for a boss or last boss, depending on whether you're doing a dungeon or a trial. Typically, that last boss on hard mode, vet hard mode, has little bits and pieces of every single boss fight that you've done thus far through that dungeon. And that's exactly like if you take, for instance, if you've gone through Cloud Rest and then tried Cloud Rest plus one, two, or three, then you kind of get what they're doing. Like you're skipping the beginning bosses and they all show up at the end, so you're having to deal with them all. Well, on a similar scale, a vet hard mode will normally take some of those mechanics and throw them at you, so you're having to deal with all of them, and that is exactly what hard mode vet scale caller did oh to us. Gosh. Yeah, <laughs> it did it to us over and over and over. Yeah, <laughs> repeatedly beat my pride in the ground. Yeah, it was pretty much like video game rape. That's what happened. It was awful. That night. It was awful. But anyway, we want to know what you all think. We want to know what you think about the dragons. See, next week is Cash and I will be on the show talking about our impressions of elsewhere. It will be spoiler-free, but we want to know what you think. What do you think about the dragons? You know, next week, you've got a whole week. By the time you listen to this on Friday, you'll have a week between the next show. Tell us about the dragons. What do you think of them? You can call us. We're going to be fielding questions. We're going to be the Mr. Mailbag himself. He's going to show up uh, next episode. So you can call us, 765 765- 382-6961. Put that number in your phone. Do whatever you got to do. Call us. Leave a voicemail. Tell, talk to us about your dragon experience and elsewhere. Also, you can email us, loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com. Cash, I'm ready for some Dungeon Lord, man. So am I. And I'm excited to continue the series because um, we're getting good feedback on it. Mm-hmm. And our Dungeon Lore series, basically, if you didn't know or don't know what it is, we're bringing you the lore from the dungeons that you normally haul at through mm-hmm. just to get your daily done. So tonight we're on dungeon lore number three and we're talking spindle clutch. Oh yeah. So we'll start with the loading screen text. Remember I talked about this is normally the time that you're going be mm-hmm. or waiting for it to load or you're grabbing yourself an adult beverage. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do the work for you. The alien ruins of Dwinnerith that grin down from the bluffs above Hagfen were plundered and emptied out generations ago. But it seems there are forgotten mine tunnels 
beneath the lowest levels of Dwinnereth that might not be quite so empty. So Spindle Clutch 1, Spindle Clutch 2 also, but we're talking Spindle Clutch 1 tonight. Spindle Clutch is found in the province of High Rock. High Rock is located in the northwest section of Tamriel and is mostly inhabited by Bretons. And the northern tip of High Rock also contains Orsinium, or the city-state of the Orcs. The region this is in is in Glenumbra. And this region covers the entire peninsula that separates the Iliac Bay from the Eltheric Ocean. The peninsula's geography is a, mixed, is a mix of rugged woodland and fetid swamps. Those are Jim's favorites. Mm, yeah. So the main quest. The main quest in here is called Deadly Whispers. And the way the story goes is at the beginning of the dungeon, you will encounter members of the Fighters Guild who were trying to clear out what they thought was a simple spider infestation. Sounds like a normal quest. Kill 20 spiders, you get a prize. While most of the group managed to make it out, with the exception of their commander, Guardian Sued Harim. And the quest giver, Praxin Duar, asks you to push into the caves and clear out the spiders while he and his group of mercenaries use fire to destroy the remaining spider eggs. An additional part is to find the leader, Guardian Sued Harim, and rescue him. Dwyer warns you about the incessant whispers coming from deep within the cave that have driven some of his men mad. And you'll, if you've been through there, you'll remember this. On your feet, you louts! We're going back in. Right oh, as you yeah. pass them up and do all the friggin' work. Yeah, and they stay in the back <laughs> and just watch. Exactly. Typical That's government it. workers. Hey, yeah, they're overworked and it's their union break. So It's their union break. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if you're a veteran player, if you've been playing the game for a while, this Spindle Clutch is really a pretty good one to test out your own metal and go in there and try and solo it. It's not very hard to do. Um, but it's really fun. You can probably get through this with a decent group and you know, less than 10 minutes, you can blast through all this stuff. If you're a newer player, it does provide some challenges for you, but it's really a fun one. And um, Prax and Duar is not kidding when he talks about the voices because they're gnarly. Oh, mm, yeah. Freaking creepy. There was one game um, that there was a dungeon for, and it was um, Rift. Remember that game, Rift? Still oh, around. yeah. Yeah, I never played it. Anyway, there was a part in that, in one of those dungeons in that game that would freak me out. And it was this dude that would, he would literally say, Iliam. And you'd just hear him saying this name over and over. And it would freak me the hell out. As you're in the dungeon, kind of doing your thing with your buddies. Super creepy. Anyway, this is very similar to that. So the types of enemies you're going to run into are corrupted infantry. They've been poisoned. Spiders, of course. There's some mini-bosses. There's a Spindlekin, which is a giant spider. There's Cerise, the Widowmaker, uh, which is a Breton rogue and reminds me of the song from Ghost. And there is the Big Rabu, which really should be called the Big Wussy. <laughs> He's a corrupted knight in heavy armor that drops like a freaking sack of potatoes, so... There's him. Uh, the boss is in the one that is uh, not the one that's talking to you. We'll get to her in a second. But the Swarm Mother, she's a spider queen responsible for the spider infestation. And then there's the Whisperer. She's a spider Daedra. She's the one that's on the loading screen. 
She's a spider jade responsible for driving the fighters guild members insane. Hmm. So there are some decent sets, some decent starter sets in there, and Jib's going to cover them. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. First off, we've got Prayer Shawl. This is the light armor set. If you're starting out and you're a magic player, you know you could pick this up. This would be a good set to get you going. Two items, 1096 max magicka. Three items, 129 spell damage. Four items, another 129 magicka recovery. And five items, when you heal a friendly target, you have a 6% chance to grant them a damage shield that absorbs up to 24-25 damage for six seconds. Cash, you are officially out of whiskey, it looks like. For uh, yep. medium, chat. <laughs> for medium <laughs> armor, uh, we got the Spelunker set. At two items, this adds 1,096... I bet I said 1,000... Uh, 1,096 max stam, three items, 129 stam recovery, four items, another 129 weapon damage, and five items. It adds up to 400 weapon and spell damage to your undaunted abilities. When because al- everybody uses those. When an ally uses one of your undaunted abilities energies, you restore up to 1,500 stamina. Uh, for the heavy armor set, we've got Nightmare and two items. You get 2975 physical resistance, three items, 1206 max health, four items, 129 weapon damage, five items. When you deal melee damage, you have a 20% chance to apply minor maim to all enemies within eight meters of you for five seconds, reducing their damage done by 15%. Not a bad starter PvP set. No, it's not a bad starter set. The Spelunker set is... That's poop. Um, yeah. I feel like I, mean, I saw people use them at the farm one time or another, but... Yeah, I mean, the only reason that somebody would really use something that boosts, that boosts your undaunted abilities is that they were using. That's really not used very... Those skills really aren't used very much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sets... It's kind of poop. Um, the Magicka set's not terrible for, uh, for a healer and uh, for you know decent starter set for a tank... The nightmare set's not bad just because of that minor maim. I mean, it's a pretty decent chance to apply minor maim. Probably not so you can keep it up all the time, but you can keep it up long enough for your buddies to deal 15% more damage. Right. So. Uh, for the monster helm, this, uh, by the way, monster helms come from vet only. Last boss, they're going to drop the helm, whether it's light, medium, arm, or heavy. It's random. So for the first, uh, first uh, ability here, one piece, 129 stand recovery, two pieces, when you block an attack from an enemy that is further than five meters from you, you spend strands of spider silk to pull the enemy to you. This effect can occur once every one second. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yep. Uh, for achievements, we got quite a few achievements here. Spindle Clutch Vanquisher. You defeat the Swarm Mother and the Whisper in Spindle Clutch 1. Spindle Clutch, this is pretty much, I'm, now I'm talking to the completionist. That's who I'm talking to right now. Spindle Clutch 1 Conqueror, defeat Spindlekin, Swarm Mother, defeat all the bosses on uh, Vet Spindle Clutch. Quiet at last, you defeat the Whisper in Vet Spindle Clutch 1 after invoking the Scroll of Glorious Battle. Hard mode. That's the headache scroll. Yep. That's when everything goes white. Vet Corrupted Slayer, defeat 350 Corrupted in Vet Spindle Clutch 1. Vet Spider Slayer, Defeat 600 spiders and veteran Spindle Clutch. Uh, Spindle Clutch 1 Survivor. That's a no-death run. 
So go through the whole dungeon without dying. And then you got Spindle Clutch Assassin. Just a speed run. Get through the whole thing within 20 minutes. Timer starts when you pull. Ooh. Yeah. So if you, I mean, if you've been playing the game for a while, you can, you've either already done this or you do two runs, do a normal run mm-hmm. and then do a vet run and you'll get all these. <laughs> yep. It's not hard. Nope. Yeah. It's not a super, super challenging dungeon and uh, it's very, very doable. Now, as we get going with um, more dungeon lore, series we're gonna start covering some of the harder ones and the ones that want to make you rip your eyelashes out making our way downtown <laughs> eventually we'll get the scale collar we'll get there <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh all right well we forgot to do the bumper earlier so pixie you're getting the dungeon lore bumper you ready for your interview i'm ready it's your time to shine all right here we go okay pixie now I remember when you joined the community. It was oh, some time ago, actually. You're you're like almost OG status at this point. Um, yeah, I've hung around for a bit. Yeah, you have. Yep. So, first off, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate you. Thank coming you on. for having me. Our pleasure. Uh, when did you first start playing Elder Scrolls Online? Like, what got your attention to this game? So. I heard about it whenever it was first announced. Um, I was initially turned off by the required sub that they had first talked about. Um, But I was a console player, so I didn't have to worry about it until a year after the initial launch. So I, about a week after the console launch, I jumped into the game on Xbox One. And then I switched to PS4 and then to PC, which is where I am now. Wow. What's your what's been your favorite class? I mean, have you played them all? Is there one that you particularly gravitate towards? I have played them all and my favorite and my main right now is my Healy Templar and I just love it so much and that has been my main on all three platforms so far. Um I'm wondering if Necromancer will rival that, so I'm leaving that slot kind of open, but as of today, it's Templar. What, what about the Templar? Is it just the idea of what they are in general, or do you just like the way they feel? Light magic and restoration has always fascinated me. Um, second only to uh, the nature magic of the Warden, but uh-huh. just the way they play and the way I've found to play my Healy Templar has really made me gravitate towards that class. Like Breath of Life is amazing. Breath of Life, so... Breath of Life, Breath of Life. Yeah. Breath of life. <laughs> yes. Pretty much the only heal. Everything else is destruction staff, right? And just the Breath of Life. If you don't Breath of Life, you don't heal. Yes. <laughs> Breath of Life has saved me and everyone else so many times. So that has to be my favorite one so far. Yeah, it's it's a fat heal for sure. Do you have you tried healing on the uh, on the ward? I did do a warden healer back on Xbox and I really loved it. It was a conal and AoE based heal and right. back then I wasn't as strategic with my heals as I am now because I've learned a whole lot since Xbox. So I do want to make a Warden Healer again at some point, just because I do love the idea of that class. I really, really, really wish Warden Magicka DPS was an easier rotation to learn because that's what <laughs> I really want to do. <laughs> Don't that's my I dream. know it. Yeah. So what race, was, what race do you prefer on a Warden? Um, on my warden, I actually ran an Argonian back then. Um, nice. On my Templar, I always do an Altmer. I know they kind of yeah. got nerfed a wee bit 
by Brett and, and their nice buff to regen, but I just can't race change because I love my Altmer so much. Yeah, it was a little difficult for me to do the same thing. Um, so my I also have a Healy Templar and stayed a and he stayed an Altmer because I just the face of the Breton is just weird. It kind of weirds yeah. me out. Strange. Yeah, yeah, it's a little strange. So I wanted him to look like normal. So. <laughs> so what he's saying is, if you're a Breton, you don't look normal. <laughs> no, but he's a beast healer. I mean, he—that is an Altmer, um, an Altmer uh, restoration magic. What am I trying to say? Templar is beast. Oh yeah. Yes. So. Big heels, big yeah. big heels on that one, and I love it. Yeah. Now I will say, my first uh, build that I'm going to make after elsewhere is going to be a Breton healer necromancer. Ooh. So I'm going to spend some time in character creation to make it not look like a rat face. But <laughs> I'm, I was not wrong. It's their eyes. There's something about their eyes that are just weird. I have yeah, to figure it beady. out. Must do something yeah. to they're the super eyes. beady. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I promise. Awesome. I don't. Uh, you know, I find whenever I make a Breton, do you guys notice the uh, the ears? You can make them pointy because they are, you yes. know, like half elf. They're halflings, yeah. Yeah. I'm yes. like, if I'm going to do this, because I agree, I, I really don't care for the way the Bretons look. It's almost like they're an ugly mix of, <laughs> of like, they've put some of the ESO races in a blender, and it just didn't yeah. look that great. They did. They put two in a blender. I'm not a fan. And that's, that's what it's they like that really ugly mutt that's just, like, the best dog ever. <laughs> you love it so oh, much, yeah. but it's just ugly and yep. you just have to it's so ugly it's cute kind of thing and i'm hoping that's just, what's going to happen with my necromancer that's so cute yep yeah it's like yes. an ugly little mutt with kick-ass regeneration <laughs> yep there you go so what is it about eso that resonates with you the most like what keeps you coming back you said you've been here for a year and a half in eso what is it that drives you to keep coming back to this game so I actually have a story around this one. So when I first started ESO, my son, this feels crazy to actually say it, but my four-year-old was 10 months old whenever I first started. I was dealing with a crap ton of postpartum depression and anxiety, and mm. I nearly died bringing my child into this world, mm. and I was dealing with massive panic attacks surrounding that whole ordeal, mm -hmm. just awful, vivid nightmares. And I remember my first guild that I ever joined, the Anzalil over on Xbox. Mm -hmm. Those, that community and the community on ESO as a whole, they listened to me cry, have panic attacks oh. while I was trying to play mid dungeon. They'd be the ones to talk me down whenever, like, my boyfriend was working 50 hours a week. I was a stay at home mom, didn't really have anybody there to talk to. Mm. And that sense of community and just, pure friendship that i got is really what always dragged me back from the back into this game so i would take like a couple months break um really before one tamriel um since one tamriel i've been really regular but the fact that those people were always there for me and this community still like the lore seekers guild has been amazing you guys have been fantastic and that amazing sense of community is why i just can't leave this game alone wow it's been an amazing experience yeah, man, that got real. <laughs> Sorry. That, no, 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 no. Yeah, that I'm not kidding you. When Jibs and I will, uh, 
periodically hear stories like that about how this game has made a profound difference in somebody's yeah. life. Oh yeah. And normally it's not just the game. It's the beauty of the game that brings you to the community. And the community, for some reason in this game, 75% of our community, that means 25% is douchebags, but 75% of this community <laughs> is really freaking amazing. Yeah. And that is quite a tale to be told that, you know, you can be brought out of a bout of, you know, depression and postpartum because postpartum depression, anxiety, they are very real. Oh yeah. Very real things to so many people. And to be brought out of that because of a community and because of, you know, a few interactions with people that you don't even know. They could be across the world. And these people are helping you, you know, come out of something like that. That's a pretty incredibly powerful statement to say about gaming itself. And poo-poo on anybody that touts gaming as it rots your brain. It's terrible for you. You get stuck in front of, com of a computer. They just don't freaking get it. Yeah. That it was... is what they need to get. It was really an amazing experience. So one of the guys that I actually met through that guild was uh, an army vet who had PTSD. And he just what I was saying resonated with him. And he just had the perfect things to say to me whenever I was having those just huge issues, whenever I was having those like super realistic nightmares. And just having that community there to back me up was exactly what I needed at that time. And I can honestly say ESO totally changed my life and the community changed my life in that way because it made me feel like I belonged to something. Like I was a person, I mattered, and it really, really helped pull me through a really hard time in my life. I, I agree wholeheartedly, you know, with everything that you said and Cash has said. You know, gaming can be such a good outlet. It can be a refuge when you need it. It can be an anchor when you need it. You know, it can be a strength for you. It can be a relief. It can be so many different things. And then you slap a good community. You know, in your case, it was that guild that was so influential into your life at that time. You know, they they were everything that you needed right when you needed it. And because of that, you found a game that, you know, you stuck with for so long, which is, you know, I feel like nowadays is very rare. You know, you, right. you don't, there's so much coming out nowadays and, and, you know, with social media, everything, you know, you're hearing about things constantly. It's constant information. And so for you to stick around in a game this long and to have that story to be able to tell, that's pretty powerful. That's awesome. That's right. really, and, really and awesome. Fortunately, we probably broke it all down in that one night of vet hard caller. <laughs> I'm really sorry about that, Pixie. Oh, no. So even though I was yelling and saying all kinds of bad words, I had so much fun that night. I yeah. know it didn't come off that way because I was no. doing so much yelling and so much frustration, but that was peak fun for me. That was, with us. That was a blast. We had a freaking blast. Absolutely. Yep. So we know you like to stream. You have your own channel. When or What is your channel? What's your channel's name? And how long or where can our listeners find your channel at so i'm at twitch.tv slash hyperpixiegaming uh i've been streaming for about nine months now and i actually got started on youtube my youtube stuff really sucks so i am hyperpixie <laughs> on youtube 
<laughs> I'm gonna come oh. right out and say it. So I actually right I grew now. up watching oh gosh, no. <laughs> so I uh I grew up listening to like Markiplier and Jacksepticeye and all of them, and I mm-hmm. really, really loved the Let's Play. So I was like, I want to do that. I and I was like, even if nobody listens, I'll be able to go back and experience these games for the first time again, which is something that I wish I would have done with so many games. But then I made my first YouTube series, mm-hmm. and it was the Spider-Man game for PS4. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so much editing. I don't have time for this. I have a child. <laughs> <laughs> I have a full-time job, and I'm trying to do three video releases a week, and this just isn't going to work. And at the same time, I started my Twitch channel, and I was like, thank God I can play some ESO because I know this game. And I can feel competent in this game. So I started streaming, and after my Spider-Man series was finished on YouTube, I was like, you know what? I'm not even getting that much enjoyment out of YouTube. I like the instant gratification of Twitch because I can see people right there in chat talking to me, and that makes my job as a content creator a lot easier. So I just decided to say, you know what? I'll come back to YouTube at some point, maybe release some guide videos for ESO or whatever game I'm playing at the time, and just focus wholly on Twitch. And I'm so glad I did it. And I've met so many awesome people through Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just been a fantastic experience. Sorry. Yeah, Twitch is an amazing organization. Like it through really and through. Is. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Jibs and I were lucky enough to be able to go out there for the Elsewhere Announce. And um, it was actually oh my gosh. at Twitch. And I'm not kidding you. Like one of the most impressive group of dynamic young people yeah i've ever been around is at twitch they're just it's just an amazing organization and to see the growth over you know the last you know 10 to 15 years of of twitch and you know where they've come from and where they've landed is really cool yeah i'm not gonna lie the structure of twitch oh yeah like a lot for sure for sure I like it a lot too. You know, one thing, actually, my thing I liked the most about Twitch was that cafeteria. Holy crap! Oh my God, that was yeah. A beer on tap at a cafeteria. Yeah, oh. like any t- any t- anybody who has any specialization in what they eat or what they drink, for one, and second of all, beer on tap. They had kombucha on tap. Incredible. <laughs> I'm like, are you? freaking kidding me i want to come i want to quit my job i want to quit my career <laughs> and just come work in this kitchen oh it was so good i do have to, i have to say as a software dev if they had beer on tap at my job i would make some interesting things make some interesting choices <laughs> <laughs> it so would, would be I. creative it'd be creative there'd be some interesting bugs <laughs> but... i wonder if we could put a keg a kegger and a, t- a kegerator in at the fire station what do you think they'd say about that I need to have one right next to me when we record. You just give me a drink. That's the way it needs to go. I have one too. She's a fifteen-year-old. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> there you Hello. go. Uh, all right, Pixie. Well, all right. So one more time: Twitch.tv/slash Hyperpixie Gaming. Okay, and the YouTube channel you want no one to see. What is it? <laughs> Hyperpixie. There we so go. All right. I think it's like youtubecom slash Navi the Fairy nineteen or something. Navi the like... Fairy nineteen. I'm going <laughs> to subscribe and watch those videos. All right. Thanks so much, Cash. You ready for some lore? I am. All right. I'm gonna stand back. Don't send my nuts this time. You, uh, you do your thing. I'll pull my hair back. That's that's a wise decision, Cash. Uh, here we go. I'm just gonna yeah. All right. Here we go. 
Oh, he's... Is he... What? What's he do? Are, are you okay? Scratching for it. We're all good. No, there was a <laughs> werewolf outside that I want to go murder. Oh. All right. Yeah, well, uh... I, I had to... Bring your uh, silver bullets. I had, to, I had to draw the blinds, otherwise the werewolf is going to ruin my path to lichdom. Oh, I'm excited about this. I know, buddy. So this is for you. I was looking through... Once again, I was looking through the Tales of Tamriel. I'm going to pick it up right here, show our live listeners. Tales of Tamriel, book two, the lore. Absolutely incredible, amazing book. If you don't have it and you have the means, buy book one, the land, buy book two, the lore. They are really, really cool. And I was just kind of looking through to get some ideas for a lore lesson this week. And I came across a metric crap ton of stuff on necromancy that is really difficult to find online but it was right there in my book so shame on me for not having a you know being on youtube right before i go to bed instead of reading like i probably should be doing but anyway tonight the path to lichdom lore lesson number 56 my yeah. gosh Wah-ha-ha. my heart Wah-ha-ha. <laughs> so mages who have mastered the art of necromancy and dark magic have the ability to prolong their lifespan and become powerful, immortal beings known as liches. And yes, you have run into them in pretty much every Elder Scrolls game that there is. And I'm going to start the lore lesson with a reading from Dark Magic, the three pretexts from the Ariat Serpent. It is unfortunate that the arcane discipline known as Dark Magic has acquired such a pejorative name in the common parlance, and it tends to relegate the practitioners into that class of sorcerer slanderously known as evil wizards. To counteract such dangerous libels, it is handy to keep in mind the following three pretexts. The first, insofar as it negates, drains, and preys upon the magicka and power of other mages, knowledge of dark magic is a necessary safeguard that enables the reigning in of rogue sorcerers. The second pretext. Insomuch as it replicates some of the deleterious effects of spells cast by inimical Daedra, knowledge of dark magic is a useful tool for learning how to camp how to counter set effects. And the third pretext, whereas its application is regarded by the ignorant as frightful and loathsome. The use of dark magic to inflict condign punishment upon transgressors is a deterrent to crime and therefore a social good. That should silence the critics. I thought that was kind of funny because here is a necromancer, the Ariat Serpent, who is saying that necromancy and the, the practice of dark magic is a social good. <laughs> so It's all from a point I'm of view, evolved. just like Star Wars. Yes. So it does bring up some things about the process and the fact that although it may be evil, you should respect it in the process of lichdom. The creation of a lich has been known to be obtained in several ways. Many of these vary widely in comparison to other, but have been successful nonetheless. During the Oblivion Crisis, a mage by the name of Celadane attempts to surpass death by using an hourglass called the Sands of Resolve. This magical artifact was to remain on his body until his transformation to Lichdom was completed. 
On the contrary, in Skyrim, the dragon priests were known to ascend into lichdom by draining a person's life force. <laughs> oh, it gets way worse. Dude. Oh, man. That's so good. <laughs> dragon priests would drain a person's life force and transfer it back into their own bodies. Apparently, the life force of another manifested in different forms. In one example, the dragon priest Hevnarak replenished his own life force by transferring human blood back into his body. So like a really violent vampire. For sure. Mm. And I don't know if it was like, you know, across his veins or if it was via vampiric means, but nonetheless, a very violent blood transfusion back into his body. Wow. Yeah. In practicing lichdom in the second era, a mage must be a manser, uh, must be a master of both necromancy and the dark arts. And there's going to be more on that here coming up when it comes to lichdom. So we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, we're going to do a little reading from the practical necromancy. This is chapter 22, I assume. Summoning, binding, and questioning the spirits of Aetherius. So this gets pretty deep. Aetherius, as you remember, was the immortal plane, the realm of which Daedra, such as the Nine Divines, originate. Aetherius is the source of all magic and the creation of all in Mundus. And it reads, Previously, we've discussed the reanimation of crude matter for labor. It is time to delve into deeper, more rewarding subjects. Aside from the traditional ritual components, you will need 1. The hide of a slaughtered animal, cleaned and dried in the approved manner. 2. A measure of dried nightshade crushed with a pestle of pure ebony. And 3. An animus geode containing the tortured spirit of man or myrrh. Soul gem. Jibs. That is a soul gem. Yep. I thought you'd like that. I love it. So in order to do so, you must prepare a circular ritual space no less than three paces across, isolate the space with a circle of one chalk, one part salt, one part ash. In the center of the space, prepare your ritual tools. Jam a pike or spear into the earth point up. Write the name of the spirit you wish to summon on the piece of animal hide. Be sure you have no injuries that might spill blood in the circle. That would be a freaking problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trapping one's own soul in a summoning circle is rarely fatal. And it tells you to see chapter 25 for exceptions. <laughs> but it is sure to provoke a mockery of your peers. So after desecrating the circle, light the candles in the following order. East, west, north, south. Burn a pinch of nightshade in the ritual bowl. Impale the animal hide onto the pike. Finally, take up the animus geode and release its power while holding in your mind an image of the deceased. Once summoned, the spirit is tethered to the animus geode. The geode will act as a beacon, allowing you to call the bound shade to your side whenever you wish. That's necromancy. I love it. Essentially. <laughs> Okay, so to start the process of becoming a lich, the aspiring lich must steal the souls from their owners in the most painful way possible. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, man. <laughs> yes. As the increased pain and torment from their sacrifices powers the purest forms of lichdom. As an additional part of the process, a relic of some evil significance or a powerful good relic that can be corrupted must be utilized to focus a spell to extract the souls from the living. The more powerful the relic, the better result when the soul is rendered. That is some Ooh, evil shit. Right? Oh, Why do they man. have to be so mean? Oh, the more mean I the meaner they are, the more power they get. Oh, now, ouch. a necromancer and the things that a necromancer reanimates is evil. But a lich is not only a practicer of neck, an expert in necromancy, but an expert in black magic. Man. And we're going to kind of cover all that right now. That's why Gosh. it's so damn evil. So the effects of lichdom. Where most necromancers spend vast amounts of time learning to raise the dead, one who has ascended to lichdom is an expert at the practice. For this reason, liches can utilize several different schools of magic in conjunction with the raising of the dead. So one who has achieved lichdom can readily interchange spells from the various schools of magic, illusion, destruction, alteration, conjuration, restoration, mysticism, thaumaturgy, and enchanting. To match the situation they're in, all while raising the dead to fight at their side. The Lich is truly a master of magic. Unlike the necromancer in general, one who has achieved Lichdom takes on the appearance of the undead. So they have decaying flesh, exposed bones, skull-like facial features, sunken eyes, or no freaking eyeballs, or similar features. Most Liches wear ornate robes or armor, jewelry, amulets, and typically they carry a staff to aid them with spells in combat. So they're usually magicka-based. Fun fact. A rare form of the Lich is called another Lich, which takes a transparent ghost-like form and are known to be weaker than regular Liches. Kind of like a ghost Lich. In combat, Liches tend to prefer a ranged style, for obvious reasons. A favored form of their magic is destruction magic, where they use flames or electricity to attack, while utilizing summon dead skeletons or corpses to divert their enemy's attention while they strike from afar. Ranged combat. That's the way. I love that. <laughs> okay, so Ascendancy, the pathway to lichdom. This is a short guide. Oh, yeah. Detailing the steps required to becoming a lich. Good one. This is by Golveg the Ascendant. I take it you've read this, Jibs? Oh, yeah. It's good. This is Don't good. try this at home. <laughs> or maybe do. You know what thing. I'm doing after we record. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It reads, At last, I have discovered the secrets to casting off the shackles of mortality. I record them here for those who dare to follow in my footsteps. Pledge yourselves to me, swear everlasting allegiance, and you too can ascend to this lofty plane. The first element is the will to force your body into death and beyond. Without this ultimate power mind over body, the transformation cannot begin. Few have the courage for even this initial step, 
Many falter and are lost when pain and horror overcome what little willpower they had. Given the strongest of wills, great necromantic knowledge is next required. Willpower provides the force, but knowledge focuses the will and directs the glorious transformation. Only the most intelligent and daring of necromancers delve deeply enough into forbidden knowledge, gathering the spellcraft needed to achieve blessed lichdom. I am one of those. A plentiful source of souls is needed as well. These must be wrenched from their owners as painfully as possible. The higher degree of torment among your sacrifices, the purer the ascent to lichhood, the greater the power gathered in undeath. You ascend on a glorious stairway of screams and horror. God, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is oh my so God, I have to go take a bath in holy water. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Lastly, a mighty magical relic is needed. An evil-aligned relic will suffice, but a good-aligned artifact that can be perverted to this purpose is ideal. This relic is the casting focus for Urello's loathsome coercion, the spell employed to wrench the required souls from their erstwhile owners. The more powerful the relic, the more painful the soul-rending. Will knowledge, soul, and power. These are the required elements of this most exalted of transformation. Tempt it, if you dare. Oh. <laughs> End scene. End scene. <laughs> and lost break. <laughs> oh my gosh. Lesson. Yeah, oh. buddy. That was for you. Thank you. To you. That was a perfect gift right before elsewhere dropped. Oh my gosh, man. I can't believe we're almost there. I know. Yep. Less than a week, bud. Less than a week, man. Less than a week. You did real good. You did real, real good. Thanks, buddy. It was whiskey-fueled. Well, you nailed it. Oh my gosh. All right, everybody. Wow. We're almost there, listeners. We're almost there. It's May 15th as we're recording this. May 20th, Elsewhere is coming out. Next week is going to be a very special episode. Be sure to tune in. And then the following week, we got even more stuff planned. It's going to be a great, great time to be a fan of Lore Seekers. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, be sure to head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to us at and leave us a uh, written five-star review. For every five-star review that we get on iTunes, we give you some love out on the show. And uh, we got one here. This one is by Narfel Funk from USA. <laughs> it says, very entertaining, relatable guys, great info. I can't play ESO as much as I want to because of life, but these guys make it bearable in between sessions. Thanks so much. That's awesome. Thanks, Narfel. Uh, you can call us at 765-382-6961 or email us, loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com, 365 now you just go to the uh, contact page on the new website, and it'll be right there for you. It sends it right to our email box. Uh, you can join the official Lord Seekers Guild, LordSeekersPodcast.com forward slash guild. All you got to do, you can read about the guild there, the COC or guild rules, all that. If you like what you see, you download Discord. Douchebag filter. Join the Discord server. Apply to the guild using the what Cash calls the douchebag filter. 
And uh, if you make it through, well, you'll be a part of the family and meet fellow seekers from literally all over the globe. We are global. We got guilds in NA, PC, EU, uh, Xbox, EU, and then, uh, of course, all everything in NA. So Xbox, PS4, PC, all the things. Um, uh, you can find this show wherever podcasts are free. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, by the way. That way you can get your episodes automatically to your device every single week. Uh, Cash, they can follow us on Twitter at... You can hit us up at JibsIRL. Cash, the cash is with a K. And most importantly, the show. Uh, on Twitter, we are at LoreSeekersCast. And you can also hit us up at uh, Instagram, at LoreSeekers. You can hit us up on Twitch right here at twitch.tv forward slash LoreSeekersPodcast. And most importantly, tonight, we want to know all the ways we can find Hyperpixie. That's right, Pixie. So you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash hyperpixiegaming, on Instagram at hyperpixiegaming, and then on Twitter at hyperpixiegames, because hyperpixiegaming was too long. So you can find me, and also hyperpixie, <laughs> uh, if, you, if you search hyperpixie on YouTube, you'll come across my channel, which is pretty barren and very old at this point. But you can find me on all those social media platforms. Awesome. You did so good. I'm so proud of you. For those of you who don't know, this is her very first episode of a podcast she's ever been a part of. And she crushed it. Thank you so much. Guys, her stream is really a lot of fun to watch. And you the friends sometimes. Talk to us about that. You stream with with one of your friends sometimes. Talk to us about her. My best friend, Avi Ale from She Heals I Tank, they do final fantasy 14 podcasting and streaming i have introduced her to the world of elder scrolls online and so every other friday we stream elder scrolls online together and on the off weeks we stream final fantasy 14 which i am a complete noob at and oh my god she had to teach me how to run in that game so when i say complete noob i really mean it it's a lot of fun she's hilarious i just have a massive fail fest every time they throw me on final fantasy and it's a huge blast so you guys if i know there's a lot of overlap in the eso and final fantasy 14 community so definitely check avi out and her husband and she heals i tank and they are amazing it's so much fun streaming with avi she's awesome it's normally a big bat giggle fest together that's it's so much fun to watch so hop in and and take a take a watch that is awesome pixie thanks so much for joining us on the show for the very first listener week we're so happy to have you here thanks again for having me this was so much fun good glad you liked it well everybody we'll see you next week you stay safe be awesome open the door for somebody buy their meal and uh we'll see you next week at elsewhere. Bye. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Episode three. Supplies were strewn about the bed in his small study in preparation for the trip. The lack of space seemingly annoyed his feline companion Krindar as his usual napping spot was occupied by several items. A water skin, rolled maps and parchment, two mages' staves, 
tightly tied burlap sacks of food rations, eight corked glass flasks with a blue liquid inside, four with a red liquid, a small toolkit for armor repairs, an extra set of mage's robes, a set of medium leathers, two short, ornate daggers, and a fur brush. The displaced Krindar was sitting on the wooden desk watching his master attempt to stuff 50 pounds of gear into a 20-pound leather backpack. Next to the feline on the desk was the missive from the Imperial Chancellor, Abner Tharn. Singe stopped packing for a moment and looked at Krindar, who was eyeing him as if packing for a trip was some kind of entertainment. We're leaving soon, Krindar. You should get some rest, my friend. As if reacting to his master's cue, Krindar slowly closed his eyes, then opened them just as slowly. He was clearly on the verge of a catnap. Singe's prideful smile towards his friend broke as he looked onto the table and saw the missive. He'd already read it several times, looking for clues or some indication as to what Abner Thorne was up to. He reached onto the table and picked it up once again. It read, Adventurer, I have followed your progress with interest and deemed you worthy of rendering assistance. Knowledge has come into my possession that will help me end the misguided Three Banners War and restore peace to Tamriel. You shall accompany me. Be ready to answer my summons and answer it quickly. I hate to be kept waiting. Signed, I Chancellor Abner Tharn. Singe put the letter back on the table and looked blankly across the room, thoughtfully stroking his tied imperial goatee. For several moments he stood there, body still, quietly pondering. He didn't notice that Krindar was awake. So where do we start? Krindar asked, breaking Singe's silent contemplation. Dark moons, Krindar! I thought you were sleeping, Singe blurted. How can I sleep with that mouse on a wheel of a brain of yours working overtime? The silence was killing me, so where are we headed first? Krindar said with a half-serious, half-playful tone. Staring at the small, dark-furred Alfique with an eyebrow raised, Singe answered, Well, Krin, that is what I have been contemplating so deeply. This missive is the only information we have. There is no location, no reports of where we could find the High Chancellor. It's like finding a clothier's needle in a stack of clothier's needles, no? The Alfique settled back onto his hind legs, pondering the thought, his black tail whipping to and fro behind him. Yes, I suppose it is. Why don't we think on simpler terms, perhaps? If Tharn is recruiting adventurers and heroic types, where would he look? Where would the best places be to find them? Still stroking his beard, Singe's eyes narrowed. Where can adventurers find work so easily? Where would most people need help with various tasks? Krindar stared at Singe with a raised eyebrow and what appeared to be a slight smirk. There are delves and bandit camps that require clearing and relics that need to be found all over Tamriel. But where would most of this work come from? Krindar, holding his stare, flatly teased. You're almost there, Singe. 
Capital cities. We will start in the capital cities. That is most likely where Thorn will be recruiting these adventurer types. Singe decided. Bingo, Krindar replied with a wink. Now you're thinking with a full stack. What's more, capital cities will have guard protection and embassies with emissaries to receive Tharn, so we can stay close to some of his creature comforts. We all know high chancellors like Tharn are snooty to a fault. It makes them predictable, if anything else. Singe pursed his lips and bounced his index claw at Krindar. Yes, yes, you're right, Krindar. That settles it. We will start looking for Thorn right here in Daggerfall. We quietly ask around, perhaps in the taverns and the market square. Oh, and the Undaunted Camp. We will definitely inquire at the Undaunted Camp. At least one of those crazy thrill-seekers are sure to have received a missive. Sounds like a plan, Singe. A good plan. Krindar yawned, satisfied that a plan was set into motion. He closed his eyes once again and nestled himself back into his slumber. The next morning, Singe set about the city of Daggerfall with Krindar following close behind. He began to discreetly observe adventurers coming into the Rosy Lion Inn and loitering about the Undaunted Enclave just outside of town. There was nothing out of ordinary to note, aside from a Breton female who appeared to be approaching certain individuals in the area. With his keen investigation skills, Singe noted that the female was approaching the most seasoned of adventurers. She was very selective in who she spoke with, choosing those with the best in equipment, the best in physical shape, and those free from injury. The female would approach them one at a time, taking care not to alert any prying ears. Some of the adventurers seemed to not want anything to do with her and brushed her off readily, but some of them seemed interested in what she had to say. After a few minutes of a hushed conversation, the Breton would hand a rolled scroll to the person, turn, and walk away. After several of these encounters, Singe was certain that he had discovered where these missives were coming from. One adventure he observed was a large orsimer adorned in heavy armor with a large double-bladed battle axe strapped to his back. Singe followed the beast with his eyes and watched him as he walked away from the woman. The orc stopped some fifty feet from the woman unrolled the scroll and read it, then tossed it to the ground with a huff and walked away. Ah, not interested, my pale-skinned friend, Singe whispered to himself. As soon as the orc was out of sight, Singe briskly walked to where he had dropped the scroll. Singe looked about, saw no one watching, and nonchalantly picked up the scroll, placed it in his satchel, and walked away. Singe walked toward a clump of trees just outside the gate, Krindar following behind. Finding a more private place, Singe began to rustle through his satchel to retrieve the parchment he had just picked up. As he searched in his bag, a quiet voice from behind him spoke. How many seasons have you been an adventurer? The female voice questioned. Startled by the intrusion, Singe jumped slightly, turned in the direction of the voice and hissed, before answering the Breton female. She was an attractive, brown-haired, brown-eyed Breton adorned in perfectly manicured leather armor. Um, well, um, I guess it would be about fourteen seasons this one has been lurking in dark places. Who is it that asks? Anais DeVoe, emissary of his worldliness, Abner Tharn, the female answered. 
Are you interested in yet another adventure? This one could really make a difference. Why would you select me among all of these other do-gooders out and about today? Sind replied with an air of irritation at having been startled. You look capable, Anais DeVoe countered. Look, I'm just going to leave you with this missive. Take a look. If you're interested, follow the instructions. If not, safe travels to you, she said with finality. Looking back at the woman, Singe smiled in an attempt to ease the tension, then took the rolled parchment from the woman's outstretched hand. Thank you, Singe replied. I will look it over. With a curt nod, the woman turned and walked away. With nobody around to hear it, Grindar the Alfique looked up at his friend and giggled. Smooth, Singe. Real smooth. Oh, bite your tongue, you fleabag. I saw you jump too, Singe snapped. With the information he needed in hand, Singe and Grindar made their way down the cobblestone road and back to the Rosy Lion. <laughs>